0: dedicated to covering all aspects of the superman legend featuring the thrilling adventures of superman golden age superman the superman fan podcast superman in the bronze age from crisis to crisis a superman podcast superman forever radio the superman vidcast the world's best podcast the sfr daily planet and radio kale from supermanhomepage.com as well as the audio dramas superman last son of krypton and Supergirl Last Daughter of Krypton from Pendant Audio Production. Join hosts... Michael Bradley. John Wilson. Billy Hogan. Charlie Niemeyer. Jeffrey Taylor. Michael Bailey. Jay David Weeder, Kamen Stoll. I'm Isaac. I'm Adam. Dave Eunice and co-host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. rocketed as a being from the exploding planet Krypton. Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman. Hey everybody, and thank you for downloading episode 24 of Superman in the Bronze Age, the only podcast on the internet covering Superman's adventures in the 70s and early 80s. This episode is part 3 in our look at the Morgan Edge subplot that ran throughout Jack Kirby's run on Jimmy Olsen. And since I'm recording this before the last episode has even been released, there are no emails or iTunes reviews to go over, so after a quick promo, we'll get right into the books. After these messages will be I'm Isaac. I'm Adam. For the latest news and rumors for all things DCU, listen to the world's best podcast. And remember, stay stay super. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number 137, which has a cover date of April 1971 and was released approximately on February 23rd, 1971. And this one has a combination Jack Kirby-Neil Adams cover, which actually looks pretty cool because Neil Adams brings a lot out of, of Jack Kirby's pencils and just makes them look even cooler. And, for the first time printed, we get to see a Jack Kirby version of Superman's face because Neil keeps enough of Kirby's work in there that you can see it. So that's pretty cool. Um, and on this cover, we see Jimmy, the newsboys, and Superman kind of, well, Superman's shielding them and trying to keep them back. And meanwhile, they're in the shadow of a being with four arms. So we better get into this one then. Uh, the title of this is The Four Armed Terror, written, drawn, and edited by Jack Kirby. The Superman and Jimmy heads, for the most part, were by Murphy Anderson. This was reprinted in Jimmy Olsen, Adventures of Jack Kirby, Volume 1 from 2003, and Jack Kirby's Fourth World Omnibus, Volume 1 from 2007. We begin our tale with a large yellow creature with four arms and red eyes. This would be the Four Terror, henceforth known as the Terror, ripping its way through the wild area to find food when it comes upon two members of the Outsiders. And no, not Batman's team. This is the outsiders we've been following the last few issues. And the members he, fa- he finds are Yango and Gandhi. They give a valiant effort but are soundly defeated by the Terror, so they retreat to the habitat to warn the others. Meanwhile, back at the project, Jimmy, Superman, and the Newsboys, and the Harrys, try out the Harrys' latest invention, the solar phone, which gathers in the radio signals from the stars and converts them into mental musical images. And this actually looks pretty cool, because Kirby uses some photo manipulation stuff for the backgrounds here, so it looks really neat. Um, Unfortunately, their fun is abruptly stopped by tremors that rock the entire project. Superman tells everyone to stay put while he goes to be briefed by security. The newsboys, however, decide that they want to go too, so they elect Jimmy as their new leader. While the Newsboys wait for Jimmy to decide if they should go with Superman or stay behind, we learn that the source of the Tremors is the Terror, who has been boring its way underground to the project's central atomic pile. Upon its arrival, the Terror rips out the power unit, causing an even greater blast that causes Habitat to begin to collapse. In all the confusion, Yango takes a leadership role and coordinates the evacuation of Habitat. In the Zoom way, the Wizwagon catches up to Superman as he makes his way to deal with the Terror. So Superman pours on the speed with the intention of taking down the terror quickly before Jimmy and the newsboys can be in any danger. That plan immediately goes out the window, though, when he catches up to the terror. With two arms holding the Man of Steel down, the terror uses his other two hands to plummel the man of steel. Superman is finally able to repel the terror as Jimmy and the newsboys show up and try to take down or try to take it down with one of the Harry's weapons. Unfortunately, this weapon just pretty much upsets the Terror, who traps all of our heroes in an energy net that eventually hardens into a shell around them. The Terror then throws the shell, injuring those inside. Then the Terror bores its way down to the main conduit to another giant atomic pile. Back at the Evil Factory, Simeon and Mokari gloat over what looks to be certain victory as the rest of their eggs in the incubation chamber begin hatching more four-armed terrors. Now, this is another cool cliffhanger. Um, Unfortunately, uh, some of the detractors from this story. uh, Flippa-Dippa, which is fun to say, uh, keeps referring to himself in the third person for some reason. And I'm not sure if it's because Kirby's trying to, you know, because it's a new character, so Kirby wants to make sure we know his name, or... It's just a character quirk, but he keeps referring to himself in third person, which is weird. Um, also, honestly, Jimmy and the Newsboys should not be anywhere near this terror. This thing can take down Superman. And it's kind of annoying that the kids keep trying to get into these, keep wanting to go and help when they really can't, especially against something like this. And it's really weird, but for some reason, even though Anderson is supposed to be redrawing Superman and Jimmy's faces, he's not really consistent with it in this issue. Um, There are times when Jimmy Olsen very much looks like a Kirby drawing, and sometimes when it looks like a Murphy-Anderson drawing, so it's really weird. On the plus side, though, this kind of reminded me of the Doomsday story a little bit. We've got a powerful, unstoppable monster making a beeline towards a single objective, bowling over anyone and anything that gets in its way, and habitat habitat is seemingly destroyed, or at least badly damaged. Plus, we get we get all this set up for him to the point where we're not completely sure if Superman can take him. And then this thing beats up Superman. So, see where I'm going with that? Uh, and also, instead of using kryptonite so much, Kirby seems to hopefully be creating enemies that are a match for Superman, such as the 4 Terror. And even though last issue's monster was kryptonite-based, it was, you know, pretty strong, too. So it was giving Superman a good looking just for that, too. So he's trying to get away, especially since there is no more kryptonite. Kirby's got to come up with something. And like I said just a little bit ago, I really like Kirby's experimentation with the photo manipulation while they're using the solar phone. That was pretty cool. Also, I want to take the time out here to just give major props. To Jerry Ordway and Dennis Janke. Uh, In the post crisis debut of The Terror uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, Ordway and Jank perfectly emulate Kirby's take on this character. I mean, if I didn't know better, I'd swear that the terror here was lifted from, or that the terror that they used was actually lifted from this issue, or that um, they actually, that this is a weird comic that I'm looking at, and somehow they went back and drew the terror. I mean, it's very good job uh, mimicking Kirby's style for the character. So I want to give major props to Jerry Ordway and Dennis Jenk for their hard work on that. So, I'm um, going to play a couple promos, and we'll come back with our final issue of this week. After these messages we'll be right back Come on, I have an idea that Batman should look into this. And don't forget Robin! I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman! Look, look! The Bat-Signal! Come on, chums, to the bat cave! the car i don't play favorites every criminal must be brought to justice some days you just can't get rid of a bomb i swear to god I swear to me don't kill me don't kill me man i'm not going to kill you i like you to do me a favor i want you to tell all your friends about me what are you i'm batman Legends of the Batman, everything Batman from the beginning at BatmanLegends.com. and more supermanhomepage.com okay superman's pal jimmy olsen number 138 cover date of june 1971 with an april 13th 1971 cover date with another cool cover by jack kirby and neil adams and this one's got some of that uh, photo manipulation stuff i was talking about where we see some machinery and stuff getting blowed up really good Um, Unfortunately, Superman definitely looks like he's pasted on this image, even though he's actually gripping to carry uh, a piece of the the metal in the background, which is cool. And just to show that this is a a Jimmy Olsen issue, uh, there's like a little pasted picture of Jimmy on one corner. And most of this just seems like white space covered with words. I don't know if that's something Kirby... well, Kirby's the editor, so I guess this is his idea. So, it's just kind of weird. Also, everyone's in this issue. It's a blast! The title of this one is The Big Boom. Written, penciled, and edited by Jack Kirby. Inked by Vince Coletta. Superman, Jimmy, and Perry Whiteheads by Murphy Anderson. And this story is reprinted in Jimmy Olsen, Adventures of by Jack Kirby, Volume 1 from 2003, and Jack Kirby's Fourth World Omnibus, Volume 1 from 2007. Have you noticed a pattern with that yet? Anyway, at this point, there's only 15 minutes left before the atomic power plant that powers the project detonates. The Guardian, the adult newsboys, and hundreds of project security troops form a convoy and head out to the atomic plant, since the Terror is somehow jamming radio transmissions between there and the rest of the project. Meanwhile, Superman, Jimmy, and the Junior Newsboys are still trying to figure out how to break out of the shell that the Terror trapped them in last issue. It absorbs all of Superman's blows, so the Newsboys try to push their way out. So It absorbs Superman's blows, so the Newsboys try to push their way out. Unfortunately, this plant backfires and causes them to get thrown back when the shell recoils like a rubber band. At the atomic power plant, the Terror finds that it can't get through the thick lead wall on the outside. So it just burrows underneath. Back at the shell, Superman and crew realize that the terror was able to harden the shell using its body electricity. So Superman simulates this by rubbing his hands together at super speed, causing enough static electricity to harden the shell so that he can break out. With only seven minutes left, Superman flies at super speed to the atomic power plant. Stopping the story dead in its tracks, we go to the WGBS building, where Perry White meets with Terry Dean. And we basically learn that he has no idea where Jimmy is and is not a fan of Morgan Edge. Then at the Evil Factory, Sibian and Mokari send the rest of the hatched Terrors to the project. Again, we go back to the WGBS building where Edge receives a message informing him of the imminent atomic explosion. And he learns that Darkseid has a helicopter waiting on the WGBS roof for him to escape it. Because, you know, Darkseid's got money, I guess. Uh, so we see him leave the building with a big smile on his face, knowing that all of the employees he walks, he talks to on the way out are just a few minutes away from death. Wow. Okay, so back at the power plant. Superman takes his, makes his way inside to see that the Terror is already there. He attacks the DNA alien, but is merely thrown back. The Terror then removes the dampening rods from the reactor and throws them at our hero, which shatter on his steel-hard body. This, of course, causes the reactor to begin running wild. With only a minute left, Superman knocks the Terror away from the reactor, just as the the other Terrors arrive, following closely behind by Guardian and the security troops. Uh, Suddenly Superman has an idea. Remembering the test tunnels being used to test tapping into the power of Earth's core, Superman has the troops keep the Terrors busy while he disconnects the reactor. Then. Telling the troops to stand down, Superman runs off with the reactor while the Terrors follow close behind. When he reaches his destination, he tosses the reactor into the tunnel. The Terrors blindly follow into the reactor like little lemmings, just as the reactor explodes. The story ends with Jimmy and the Junior Newsboys sulking because they were kept out of the action. Aww. Alright, so some of the negatives. The scene at GBS really killed the pacing of this story by bringing this exciting story to a complete halt. And we really don't learn much other than uh, the rest of the terrorists are heading to the project. That part could have probably been kept in and wouldn't have been too much of a mess up. But the whole thing with with Perry seems kind of pointless. And if it was just Kirby wanting to actually write and draw Perry... It's kind of sad that it happened because Murphy Anderson ended up basically drawing Perry White anyway. Although we do get to meet Terry Dean, who will come back later. Um, also, um, those test tunnels that Superman found out came got a, kind of out of nowhere, didn't they? Uh, would have been nice if they'd been at least introduced a little earlier, but whatever. Um How is it that Superman can catch bullets from a machine gun if he wants to, but can't prevent four large dampening rods from smashing into his chest? Hmm. And that explosion at the end? It's a giant atomic explosion. One, shouldn't that have caused damage to either Project Metropolis or both? And shouldn't there be a problem with radiation at this point, too? And how did Darkseid arrange for that helicopter? That makes no sense. Also, uh, for some reason, uh, I mentioned, okay, Superman is consistently inked by Murphy Anderson in this issue. Perry White, Anderson takes care of him too. Jimmy's face is only inked by Anderson once in this whole issue, and that's only at the end. Why? It's like, why bother, really, at that point. On the plus side, though, I felt this was a really intense story that keeps you on the edge of your seat other than that whole WGBS part. Excuse me. Uh, I also like how it sets up the evil of this Morgan Edge, who at this point we do not know is a clone, even though I've spoiled it, Um, as he just calmly walks out of the building says goodnight to people and leaves and has no problem with leaving, knowing that everyone there is about to die. Hmm. And um, again, we've got great art. Actually, Vinnie Coletta's inks don't really do much to hurt um, Kirby's pencils at this point. Now granted, I don't know how much detail Kirby was putting in things like the background and stuff, but from what I can tell, uh, actually, Colette is actually hiding himself pretty well most of the time. Um, Also, I really, uh, as much as I love the art, and this is still a positive, because I really like the print manipulation effects that Kirby does, I just wish the print quality on the books were better at this point uh, in 1972, uh, 71, so that we could really enjoy them better. Because right now they're kind of it's kind of hidden uh, in some in these little bubble things that they have to use. But other than that, I thought it was really cool. So that's another story. We see more evil edge, and um, we will continue next week with some more Jimmy Olsen Goodness. Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network at www.FortressOfBailey2.com slash SupermanPodcastNetwork where new episodes are posted weekly. Episodes are also posted at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com and SupermanHomePage.com You can also subscribe to this show via RSS feed and iTunes. All images, characters, and music used in the show are for entertainment purposes only. No money is made by the show. Superman is created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Superman is also a copyrighted feature appearing in the Superman DC Publications.